Hello and welcome to another OV uh, community member spotlight session. And this week we have Jessica Bast with us, and we're going to be talking. I hope I pronounced that right, Jessica. You sure um, did. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about how to increase business revenue with a Udemy course. How you can uh, fit a uh, a Udemy course into a current business. So it's going to be a really interesting chat because uh, most people come to Udemy maybe um, and they might be, you know, teaching something they love or something. But if you've got an existing business model, how can we create a Udemy course and, and complement that? So I've got the, uh, let me just check this over here. Just seem to be live over here and then one second folks just checking the q a is live yes it is uh philomena's just said hello so i know q a is live and we're live now last week everything just died and i disappeared and so jessica's hoping i'm not going to disappear today but we're not going to because we've simplified everything and we're just going to go very simple hangout style so we don't stress the machine so jessica Tell me a little bit about your story. So if we could start with uh, where where did you start? Where was your first online you know, business venture? How did you start? How long ago? How did you come across it? What motivated you? Anything along those lines? Well, I started making jewelry. I've always made jewelry, even ever since I was a kid. And um, I started a business with it in, I believe, 2004. Um, while I was, I had just moved up to Dallas from Austin. I was looking for a new job. I was working at Starbucks at the time and I was wearing some of my jewelry and I had customers, you know, asking me about it all the time. And I even had a couple that just wanted to buy, you know, the necklace right off my neck. And I thought, Hey, you know, this would be cool to do like a, a jewelry show or an art show. So I, I started there and after my very first show was really successful, I mean, I walked away with way more cash than I ever would have imagined, you know, like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And I was just blown away. And I thought, okay, I'm starting a business. I'm going to do this for real. Um, so I did that for um, a couple of years. And then I joined Etsy, which is a huge global online marketplace where people can sell um, it's mostly handmade goods that um, you can sell vintage items, lots of other things. And um, I set that shop up, I think in 2009. And I've been doing that ever since. Now I did have a full time job as a professional jewelry designer for a big company, but I had my my jewelry business as my side business for uh, seven years while I worked there. And when I got laid off from that company in 2011, I thought, you know, this is kind of what I wanted anyway. I wanted the opportunity to have more time and go full-time with my own business. So I just kind of um, decided to put all my energy into making it from there. So I've been self-employed since 2011 doing that. And um, the last couple of years, I thought it would be really cool to sort of start switching gears and getting more into a passive income model because as much as I love making and selling jewelry, it's not really scalable for the kind of income that I want to make and for the kind of um, ideas that I have as far as the type of business that I want to run, like selling handmade jewelry, I would want it all to be handmade by me, not having to hire out and have others, you know, like an assembly line because that just changes the dynamic of my business. It's not, it's not what I want. Um, so there are, are certain limits that, that are just 
automatically there and then that I put on the business idea myself. So I started trying to think of ways that I could go a little bit more passive, maybe sell some digital products. So I started a website, I think it was 2012, jewelrytutorialhq.com, where I start teaching these techniques. And that, um, I guess that kind of stemmed out of me blogging for my Etsy shop. I started a blog and I loved it. Um, and I wasn't really writing about jewelry. I was writing about how-to crafts and recipes. And I had so much fun. And I started getting crazy traffic this was kind of right when Pinterest was going, you know, getting going really hot. And, and it was just so great. And so I thought, well, I don't really want to tell people how to make jewelry on my blog that's supposedly supposed to be selling my jewelry that I make on Etsy. That's like two different audiences. So I just started a new site for that and uh, started a YouTube channel. And it just kind of took off like all of a sudden and everything. It, it's just that's just what I meant to do. I can tell, you know. Your YouTube channel, obviously I've had a look and you're doing very, very well with the thingy. You've currently got um, 31,000 subscribers. Okay, so well done. That's great. You know, and that's, uh, that's really, really good to get sort of 31,000 subscribers. What sort of things did you do to, and the reason I want to talk about this is because YouTube and Udemy, they click together really well. Absolutely. Um, um, so what, what sort of things have you done with the YouTube channel? What, how have you managed to get, you know, such, uh, this high volume of, you know, subscribers and obviously you've got very high view count as well when I, when I'm looking at your, uh, your, your, your hits and stuff. So what, what, what's your, been your mentality? What have you sort of, how have you approached this? Well, um, when I started, First of all, my my goal for my first year, like I knew that I wanted to do this and wanted to eventually, um, okay, let me back up. So I, want, I knew that I wanted to start this website and YouTube channel and I wanted to build an audience and somewhere down the road um, start selling courses and digital products. So my plan was to start with free content, um, you know, see if it was something that people were even as interested as I thought they would be. So I set a goal for my first year to, I think I just said, you know, I want to have 25 videos done and 150 subscribers. So I got my 25 videos done for the first year and I blew my subscriber goal out of the water. I think it was like 8,000 subscribers by the end of the first year. So obviously very early on, I, I could tell that it was working and that people were liking it. I was getting great response. Um, views were slow in the beginning, but I just kept uploading videos. And then, you know, I just get, I get comments every day. The, the majority of them are nice, which is something that's, I think, hard to come by on YouTube. You know, you see other people's videos and rude comments all over the place. So I, I, I just, decided I was going to stick with it, even if, even if I didn't meet those goals. Um, and I think that really helped, you know, I, I made a point to get, um, I think I, I did just like two videos a month for a while. And then I kind of slowed down a little bit towards the end, but I still met that 25 videos. So that, that was the first really important thing is to make a lot of videos. You know, you're not going to get that many subscribers or views just off one video. I just wanted to just pause on that one, Jessica, because it's it's. Um, I think a lot of people, when you when you're creating the 
content for a YouTube channel and a marketing strategy. And obviously, you know, you've had a very clear idea about where you're going with this, which I think is brilliant and very inspiring for people. But you do, we, you know, I, I call it like you, when you start out in an area, if you want to make an impression, you've got to carpet bomb. You've got to put a lot of um, real content out there for people to come back to, like you said. And it's really, really important. So I wanted people to really sort of pause on that. But I just wanted to ask you, um, so when you did the videos, um, I, I, I presume that they're mainly how-tos, very helpful, you know, showing people skills. Was that the sort of the focus you went? Yeah, exactly. Um, I wanted it to be tutorials. Um, you know, eventually I want to also do courses and, and probably some videos that are helping people to start an online business selling handmade jewelry and other handmade items um, and things like that. For, but for the most part, it is um, my channel, I think, is 95% tutorials. You know, like here's how to make this pair of earrings or here's how to, to uh, do this technique. And um, I obviously try to look at the things that people are responding to the most, like which videos get the most comments, uh, views, and, and things like that, and then make more things along those lines, right? So like I've done a couple of tutorials that are making jewelry from recycled materials, like old t-shirts, you know, and um, those were really popular when I first did them. And then I did, you know, a couple other things that um, along the same lines that didn't really go anywhere. Like it just, you, you obviously want to have something that people are searching for, um, to be found. So I kind of also jumped right in to learn as much as I could about killing it on YouTube. Um, in the beginning, you know, I wanted to make sure I was optimized. I want to make sure I figured out keywords, SEO, all of those things. And I put a lot of time into that and watching other people and um, just kind of figuring out how to be on the first page of search results in YouTube as much as possible for, for keywords that are um, highly searched on there. So yeah. I think that's something that really helps. Yeah, I think that's a really, really important thing is it's not, it's not good enough just to um, just go onto YouTube and just create videos. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a really, we, we do exactly the same as something. I just wanted to draw that point out that you just made there, Jessica, because it is really important. You made two really important ones. One, really get to know how to use YouTube. You know, you need to know how to optimize. You need to know. And two, at the beginning, you just have to make the videos, don't you? Because you don't know which ones are going to succeed. But then all of a sudden, like you say, some videos really start to climb. And, and the audience is telling you what type of videos they want. So, you know, I still think you need to put fresh stuff out there. But they're telling you what they want. So now you yeah. can really focus. And the audience will tell you what you need to create on YouTube. And that's a, a really strong point you made there. Thank you. So, Yes, yes. Sorry, Jessica, did you want to add to that? Oh, no, I was just saying they do. And they're very vocal about what they don't like as well. Um, so, you know, when I first started making videos, I wanted to have them be as cool as possible. So I went and found a cool royalty-free song for each one. And that took, that took a lot of time. And it was actually a pain in the butt, you know. But I was like, I want this to be a really cool video. So I'm going to put music in it. And very early on, I figured out, you know, the only negative talk comments that I was getting were like, great video, but the music is really distracting, you know, just it, either it's annoying or it's distracting or, 
Um, I love the topic, but it's hard to focus on what you're saying. So I just scrapped it right off the bat. You know, after probably five or six videos with music, I was like, well, I didn't really enjoy doing that extra part of work for it anyway. So I don't do music in my videos anymore. Um, and nobody's missed it. And I certainly haven't. So that was a huge takeaway, you know, it's like, and, but they're very vocal about things, you know, if they'll tell you what they don't like, but they also tell you what they do like. So it's, mm -hmm. it's important to mm -hmm. listen and interact. You know, I try to also make a point of going back and replying to every single comment as much as possible. I set time aside every week to go through and catch up on all my comments. Even it was, even if it's just a thank you for sharing, I go back in and I say, thank you so much for visiting. I'm glad you found it helpful or, you know, something just to kind of let them know that if they do have a question at any time that I'm there to respond, because I think that's, that's part of building trust and building relationship with those subscribers. So you're not just a, like a, a TV screen, you're an actual person. Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, that's a great point again, Jessica, you know, it's about if you're going to have these channels and you've got to be out there and it's a common theme that comes up when we interview people and we talk to different people in, in, in the OV community and we have these hangouts and if they've got successful YouTube channels and they all say the same thing, you've got to engage with your audience. But I just, the other thing obviously is you've had to learn some video skills. Now, obviously, that's benefited you when it comes to creating a Udemy course, I, I would imagine. But was there a sort of transition with your first videos? And do you did, so how did you sort of pick up the skills? Because you, you do a lot of demonstration. And that's not demonstration videos on stuff that's small is not as easy as it actually sounds. So, you know, we're right. video company. So we know that's not as easy as it looks. Um, so how, how did you sort of, how did you find that developing those skills? Did you have any background in video before? Uh, yeah, actually my degree is in radio, television, film from the University of Texas at Austin. Um, but that was basically right on the cusp of the digital boom, or at least, you know, it hadn't caught up in the education system yet. So there were some video classes, but they were on VHS tape and just, you know, very primitive. So most of what I did was filming on 16 millimeter and actually, you know, doing the actual cut splice, the hands-on um, actual clipping the film editing. So, but a lot, luckily a lot of those concepts translate. So, I mean, I still feel a little overwhelmed sometime with how digital media is moving so quickly. And as soon as I figure out something, it, you know, something else comes along. And um, so I still, I don't feel like I'm an expert in digital video, of course, but um, at least the editing techniques or the, the theory of editing, you know, you, when you, where you make your cuts, um, trying to develop a rhythm, um, how to light, how to set up your camera, all of those things are things that are easy to learn if you know the, the background. So I'm very thankful to actually be using that degree because I kind of for a while thought I wasn't going to be able to. Um, but also I watched a lot of other, other demonstrations, hands-on demonstrations on YouTube to see what not to do. You know, like lit, lit from above, filmed from above, it's like shadow on everything. Your hands are, you know, your hands might be in a way, or if you're right-handed, don't put the camera from over your right shoulder um, because, you know, you can't see. And, and also looking at the comments on those other videos to see what other viewers had to say about it. And the, it just kind of reinforced what I was seeing. It's like, you know, well, this is great, but your hands are in the way. Can't see anything. So I just try to make sure that uh, obviously, and if, if, 
if I shoot the, the take and it looks like crap, I reshoot it. As much of a pain as it is to reshoot a video that's a hands-on demo, um, you know, I might have to make five of the same bracelet to get all of the steps right in such a way that I can edit them together and have it look good. So, And will you be, do you think you'll be helping people with that in future, Jessica? Because obviously gonna, I think there's going to be a massive market personally in the arts and crafts and everything you've just said there, you know, some things you can learn, you, you learn by experience if there's no one there teaching you. So is there going to be a future course somewhere maybe on involving I these? Did, actually, I do have that on my list of course ideas for the future, but I think I, I want to do a couple more jewelry making courses first. You know, I don't, I don't feel right about teaching a, um, how to make a successful arts and crafts course on Udemy until I've done at least two because, you know, one might be a fluke. But also um, the first one was uh, was a little harder than I thought it was going to be. You know, it took me like a year and a half from the, the planning stage to the actual publish date. And there's lots of reasons for that. You know, I mean, I, I wasn't always focused on it 100%. But the next one is going to take, I can probably do it in two, three months, you know, because I know, I know where my sticking points were and I learned how to get over those obstacles so yeah i do think i would like to teach a course along those lines even if it's just you know how to film an mm. arts and crafts course or a hands-on type mm. of course because mm. sometimes it's the hard skills you know it's like we've got a udemy course and our udemy courses how to create uh udemy courses but we put a lot of the hard skills that come from a commercial video background in it and a lot of the times a lot of the courses that are out there they don't have the hard skills you know, they'll have some marketing tips and strategy, but they don't have those hard skills. And people need those hard skills because, you know, like you've experienced it, it's, it's not easy to learn. And, you know, and the, I think, you know, a year and a half, you've put some serious time into that course. You know, I've heard people six months, and but a year and a half, I think you must have the record there, Jessica. <laughs> well, honestly, most of that was planning, and that was before I found Udemy. So I was also trying oh, to figure yeah. out, you know, how am I going to get this course hosted on my website? How is that going to work? And I, that was like really just something I could not get my head around. And then right around the time where I just realized, well, you know, that's putting the cart before the, ho the horse, you know, like make the course first or, or at least get it planned out before you start worrying about how to deliver it. And right about that time, I discovered Udemy kind of by accident as a student. So I found that and um, I thought, oh my gosh, this is perfect. So um, that really, once I found Udemy, it was a much faster process because I also found the, um, the challenges really useful, like how to start planning, how to set up an outline, all of those things that aren't really fun to me, but are so important for, for getting your course laid out um, in a way that makes sense is gonna be good for the students. Yeah, now you've said that, I, I understand now why, why, when you say it took a year and a half, because when I was talking, I'm talking about people that create a Udemy course takes six months and they put a lot of time into it. But now you've said that, I understand. Because when you actually come to Udemy, Udemy are very good at taking you through a very structured process. They force you into this like learning management system style way of thinking of doing a course. And if you don't have that, and I don't think a lot of instructors realize how much Udemy are training them as they go through, and it can be a bit painful if they're rejecting stuff. 
but they take you through this process. And if you're trying to do it all that yourself and where you're going to host your video, and you know, I've been down the same route, so I know exactly what you mean, Jessica. You know, well, that's expensive. Video hosting can be expensive, you know, and people don't realize that. You know, just shopping around trying to find something decent, people go, oh, you can go on Amazon, you can use Amazon, and then they come up with all this technical jargon. I'm like, really? I've got to learn what? Mm-hmm. You know, and then when I find something easy like Wistia, you know, and then I'm looking now, twenty-five pounds a month for a few videos, and it all starts adding up and everything. So you do me thing, but it comes brilliantly into where we wanted to go next because I wanted to ask you where you found Udemy. Before we do that, I'm just going to say hello to Robin, uh, who's joined us, and Philomena, Christy, Philip. Sheila said hello. Uh, Melanie said hi. So I just wanted to give a shout out to everybody who's watching. I'm watching the... the um, Eileen Smith would be very proud of me tonight because I'm watching the, uh, the comments in the event and in the Q&A and uh, she gets a bit frustrated with me sometimes because I use the <laughs> Q&A she doesn't like it um, but Eileen I'm using both so you can be proud of me tonight I'm listening to you okay so Udemy so you say you you say you found Udemy because you were looking for some stuff I found Udemy because um, I follow Pat Flynn smart passive income and yeah. um, uh, let's see he put out a product that was part of a bundle with some other uh, courses. And one of those courses was a Udemy course. It was Kathy Preslin's How to Become a Writer. So that was part of the bundle. So, you know, I paid for the bundle and then I was taken to Udemy. When I went to sign into her part of the course, I was taken to Udemy. And I understand now that it was a, you know, a free coupon because I'd already paid for it. Right. So that's how I found Udemy. And I, I was just like, oh my gosh, could this, could this, could this be the thing I was looking for? So I, I started taking lots of courses so that I could experience it as a student and understand the student's perspective before I started building out my course. Um, when I learned a whole lot that way too about, you know, things that I didn't want to do, things that I did want to make sure and add or include. Um, so that was very, very helpful. But after I, I watched, after I went through a few courses, I realized, you know, this is something I can do. And I started, I signed up for the Udemy, how to create your Udemy course course and joined the studio. And it was, you know, probably from that time, I want to say it was like eight months just for continuing the research, planning, doing the outline. One of the hardest parts for me was coming up with which projects I wanted to include in the course. Um, And once I figured that out and did that, that sat down and actually did the outline, that was probably my moment uh, like the downhill moment is like I, that was that was what really got me going and finally started actually doing the filming <laughs> of the course and from there you know it was just a few more months and I finally was able to publish but I'm also a perfectionist so um that you know goes into why it took me so long well one of the things I've picked up just obviously because I've obviously been watching your story and I invited you onto the hangout once I've seen a bit of your story one of the things obviously I've picked up Jessica is you're an artist and uh, you know artists tend to be very uh, very particular about what they present before people because it's it's the thing so what I wanted to ask you is um so we we you're on Udemy, uh, and you've just, how long has your course been live now? I published February, middle of February, like the 18th or something like that. So. Okay, so it's it's a few months old now. It's going well. You're getting sales, and that's really good because a lot of people come to Udemy with niche courses, and they struggle. 
So Udemy is known for technology courses because people want to learn technology skills, IT skills, uh, marketing skills, so they can go and earn an income. Um, arts and crafts courses, a lot of people uh, on Udemy, they find that they, they don't get that same immediate impact. Um, but did you find that or did you find, did you, did, did you reach out to your current audience in any way when you released your course? What, what was Absolutely. your process when you started selling on Udemy? What did you do? Well, my plan, actually, I started marketing the course way before it was even ready. So I knew that I was, you know, on the, the home stretch, going to be finished within a month or two. And it actually took me like three or four after that, but that's okay. Um, so I think um, the end of November, I set up an early bird list to tell people about the course. And I put out a couple of videos just saying, this is what I'm working on. I'm so excited to share it with you. It's coming soon. If you want to get in at a discount, you know, I'll give you uh, 50% off when it goes live. And if you sign up, I'll give you an ebook or a free gift. I didn't even know what it was going to be at the time. And so I started driving traffic to what I was calling my early bird list, which is just a very simple MailChimp form, not even a lead page or a landing page, just a page I put up on my website. Um, and it just had a little bit of information about, you know, this is wire wrapping for beginners. And if you want to get more information, sign up here. And where were you driving them from? Where were you sharing uh, um, that information I, to? So this is a brand new email list. I already have another email list at the time. It was probably about 900 people on that list. So the first thing I did was send out an email to them to let them know. And I got only 50 signups, which I was a little disappointed in. But, you know, I thought, well, that's okay, because I'm still going to put videos on YouTube, which is where the majority of my audience is and where I got a lot of interaction. So um, once I finally put, I did two videos. The first one was just a simple announcement video saying, I just wanted to share this is coming soon. I'm putting together this course, Wire Wrapping for Beginners, and you can sign up, go to this website, put in your email address, and I'll send you whenever it's, you'll be the first to know when it's live, I'll send you a coupon. Um, a special discount, I'll send you and, and you'll get a chance to enroll for a free gift and blah, blah, blah. Obviously it was much more poetic than that. But, um, and then the second video was a couple weeks later where I did an FAQ kind of session. So that was a, a like eight minute video. And I just answered some of the questions that I had gotten from email subscribers, as well as a few others that I thought people would want to know, like, how's this go? Can I watch it at my own pace? You know, those kind of things. Um, I started getting questions from, from my email list. Um, I live in Denmark. Will I be able to watch this or, you know, the time zone's different. Am I going to be able to participate? And I thought, Oh, that's good. I'm so glad you asked that. That might not have been something I would have thought to say, yes, you can watch this anytime from anywhere in the world. It's interactive, but it's not live. You don't have to meet me at 8 PM on a Tuesday or whatever. So I added all of those into the video. And then of course the call to action was, um, get on the list and don't worry because even if you're not positive, there's a 30 day money back guarantee. And so I, I, the majority of the early bird list came from those two YouTube videos. So you've predominantly used YouTube as the top of your marketing funnel. Yes. And I advertise, I paid to advertise those videos on Facebook along with a couple of other Facebook posts, but I didn't really spend a lot of money, you know, maybe like 50 bucks total over six months. Or and how, did you, long. How, did, how did you find the Facebook advertising? Did you, did you, did you, would that be something you would do again? 
I would, because I think it's an important part of the puzzle, just because even if you can, you know, if you can spend $10 and get 50 back, that's still worth it. Um, and it, it worked out for me that time. You know, I've had other Facebook promotions that just did nothing for me, but that particular one was, was pretty good. So by the time I went live with my course in February, um, I had 300 people on that early bird list and it converted at, I think 30%. Let me double check. I made notes. Um, yeah, it did. It converted at 30%. And that's because it was a highly targeted list. You know, my main list wouldn't have converted that high. No way, because it's just too broad. Not everybody is in a beginning type of stage for wire wrapping jewelry, which is what the course is. So, um, yeah, it's just, that's just so powerful. I love what you did there, Jessica. You're obviously, you're a natural marketer. Um, and I'm, I'm saying that, and I'm sure you've spent a lot of time learning and, and you know. Absolutely. You know, we love, like Philomena said in, in the comments, Pat Flynn's awesome. We love the, the Pat Flynn, what he does and the guests he has on there, you know. So, but there's there's an element of going out and educating yourself about these marketing. But I love the way you've, you know, you built your your subscriber list on YouTube. You know, you've put the work in, you produce quality videos, you've got plenty of videos out there. You've got subscribers so that when you're, and you're producing all this free content, and then when you're ready to offer something premium, they're there. They're engaged. They know you. They know who you are. They know the quality of your work. You're not having to sell them in the sense of persuade them who you are, what you know, because you've done, already done that work. So now it's about, you know, then making that pre-launch marketing list, building that up, you know, obviously very good. And, and that's given your, and I imagine that's given your course a really strong boost in the marketplace because what, what you'd me love to see, love to see a course going live and it's selling without them doing anything. They'll pick that up and run with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did really well, especially the first day. So the launch was a week long. Um, and the first day was incredible. You know, I mean, I was like just sitting there, I had plans to be productive that first 24 hours, you know, like, okay, my course is live. Now I'm going to do this. And I just sat there staring at my revenue page, refreshing, like, Oh my gosh, it's working. And it was, it was awesome. It was so much fun. And, um, I do think that really helped because I started seeing some organic Udemy sales right away. And I started seeing some affiliate sales even, and, um, some, a couple of Udemy ad sales, Right. So, I mean, I've heard from others that they don't really start promoting you for it can take a couple of months. So this was within the first month I started seeing those organic sales. Um, but it's also important to note that if anybody were to go to Udemy and search for jewelry, there's, you know, maybe eight courses that come up and mine is currently the only one teaching exactly, you know, the wire wrapping, the technique that I'm teaching. So that's an important thing to note. You know, I think it's, overall it's the same for any type of course. If you bring in your own students um, and your own sales, then they're going to take note and then they're going to start marketing you. But I think it's not going to be as easy maybe for everybody. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Philip uh, Viljoen, I know Philip, um, you know, and I know you've spoken to him in the mm -hmm. Udemy studio and he, you know, he says lifestyle arts craft is a more difficult niche as it is as wide as the Grand Canyon. So to find your clients is more work than creating the course. And I think it's right. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to sell a niche course, um, 
you know, that's not in the traditional market place mm -hmm. of Udemy. You've got to build that that potential client base straight away. And I think he makes a good point there. So so you've got, I know you talked about it earlier, but I just want to come back to a little bit. So you've got your current business model, which has been very, what well, me and, and it's actually, actually, I'm going to have to say this, and Phil, Philomena's, my wife's going to chuckle, because we've got a saying that we don't want to do a, a business that is buy metal, bend metal, sell metal. <laughs> and that's a saying. Your your business is literally buy metal, bend metal, <laughs> sell metal. Then you buy more yeah. metal, yeah. And you want to move you want to move away from that to a more sort of teaching role. And, and I just want you to to you know what's motivating that and what, why why that's particular. I know you touched on it earlier at the beginning, but I just wanted to come back to that and really sort of you know look at that a little bit more, Jessica, because you know you've got this other business. And now we're talking about creating. So someone out there, there's there's lots of people out there that will have a business and they've got expertise in that business. And just to give people ideas like where, where we're going with SME Heroes, our marketing company, we want to be able to, everything we do, we want people to be able to do themselves because we're in the world of DIY and people want to do things themselves. So if we offer a service, eventually we're going to have a course on that service because the, the bootstrappers, they can't necessarily afford for us to come and do it, but we can teach them. They can do it themselves in their own time. What's your mentality around all this side of, of, of business and online? Because online business is changing all the time. Just wanted to get some insights from you on this. Well, um, the way I think about it is I mentioned the blog. I set up a blog for my jewelry business and I started blogging. And the first, actually the first few blog posts were, you know, talking about some of the jewelry that I sell in my shop and certain gemstones. And I just found it really not very exciting for me to write and nobody was reading it. And I was like, you know what, I'll just, there's more exciting stuff that I'd rather write about. So I started writing about the arts and crafts stuff, you know, like how to make, um, gosh, well, I don't remember the first one, uh, you know, like just certain recycled jewelry is, so it wasn't the type of jewelry that I sell, but it was still, you know, how to make this type of jewelry. Um, but I, I kind of realized how much fun that was and, and how much traffic it was getting. So those two together is kind of like, well, you know, this is something that I could just put more time into and see how it goes. But also the fact that there are, this is a gross generality, of course, but I want to say two types of people, the kind that want to buy the ready-made product and the kind that want to make it themselves, right? So when it comes to jewelry, so there are people definitely who don't care about learning to make the jewelry that I sell and they just want to buy, they like it, they want to buy it. So that's one market, that's one audience for me. And then the other is the people who want to learn how to do it. And... Um, I actually enjoy that a whole lot more because I don't, I don't really have as much fun selling the jewelry to that I've made. I'd rather sell the how to, even if I'm not actually selling it, if it, even if it's just a free blog post or a free video. Um, but also, you know, I've, I've been looking at my numbers because I really love the passive income aspect of it where I'd like to be able to travel the world, go away for a month at a time, three months at a time, and not have to just have shut down my shop and have a zero income for those three months. And, you know, and also I have a number in my head for the amount of income that I want to make every year, whether it's from one business or seven, it doesn't really matter, but, but also the lifestyle. So 
I have these rules that I kind of put in place. You know, I want to be my, my perfect life would be location independent. So we can just up and go whenever we want to. Um, and not exchanging hours for dollars Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that's exactly what my, my Etsy business is, you know, as much as I love it and I'll always make jewelry, but I just don't know that I can or want to depend on that as an income for the rest of my life. Plus it's not scalable. Yeah. I have to be working 24 hours a day every day of the year to be able to even make probably half of the income that I'd like to make. And I think, I think, you know, it comes back to this really grasping this concept of, you know, residual income or passive income as it's more widely known. Uh, you know, me and Philomena, exactly the same situation we talked about in the green room before, didn't we? Um, Jessica was talking about, you know, how me and Philomena was doing antiques, we was making very good money, but the problem was we could never take a holiday because we had to shut down the business a week before and a week after. That's three weeks of no income. We can never take a holiday. You, you have to keep at it constantly. There's never a break. And I think that's from from sort of from a philosophical point of view and a lifestyle point of view, you know, when you think about it and you think about business models that are based on that, if you if there's no direct scale, if there's no way to actually directly scale, you know, within your business or within your uh, your idea of what your business should be, then after a little while, you can just it's just like having a job. It's not much different to having a job. Because you just go in, you exchange the same amount of time for the same amount of money pretty much all the time. But if you can create residual income, and we and Philomena are passionate, and we know you're passionate about this as well. If you can, you know, really create residual income, what you said, location independent. For me, you know, when you say that to me, my heart just lights up. My, my heart just goes, oh, you know, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. imagine just going three months, just free, and I'm, I'm still earning money. You know, I'm, I'm still because I can work anywhere. You know, or I, if I can get video equipment anywhere, I can set up a studio, I can hire a studio. And, and just the dream of that, you know, is what motivates me and Philomena to move forward with, with what we're doing, transferring our skills to people online. So I really, really sort of empathize with you there. Um, so what do you think? Do you think there's going to be a big market in the future? I just want to talk about arts and crafts and hobbies. I want to broaden it a little bit um, because on Udemy, like we said, it's very, the, it's very. if you do IT courses, niche IT, uh, programming language, massive market for that. Do you see in your industry uh, an arts and crafts, a hobbies sort of training market, those that the, the experts uh you know, like yourself, uh, are really good. Do you see that at the moment? Do you see that growth or are you just anticipating? Um, I do see it actually. I don't know if you've heard of a site called craftsy.com. No, I haven't. Um, it is, it is like, a, it's a learning platform platform. And I think it's been around a lot longer than Udemy. Um, it's specifically for selling online courses, teaching hands-on things. So they have obviously jewelry courses, they have sewing courses, quilting courses, they have lots of food courses, like how to make your own handmade cheese and lots of things like that. Um, And the platform is very similar to Udemy. You know, there's a live discussion board. Um, It's lifetime, anytime, anywhere access. And um, uh, so you can interact with a teacher, you can upload photos of your finished projects. And, um, but the only thing is 
you're not allowed, like as me as an instructor, I'm not allowed to upload a course. They do all the filming. So you, if they want to do a course with Mm -hmm. you, they fly you out, they film you in their studio, which is like a three Mm -hmm. camera setup. So it's actually mostly like a headshot or a shot of the teacher sitting at the table for, for jewelry making anyway, or, or if it was a cooking course, it's like a, like a TV show style. So in a lot of cases, it's not as good with the close-ups because they've got three camera operators and probably somebody directing, you know, camera one, you know, and they, you know, you might not always be able to see, but that is a huge market. And I know they are making lots of money, Um, And I'm actually in their affiliate program that I use sometimes on my blog and they're very generous with their, um, their commissions, you know, and uh, I, I know I'm sure they're making multi-million dollars every year. So yeah, they're also my, my competitor, you know, there's jewelry making courses on Craftsy. So I kind of watch what they're doing and, and I also kind of set my price for that. You know, most of the courses are priced at 39. I probably would have priced my course a lot higher, especially based on uh, the way Udemy works. But I have to keep in mind that even though there's not similar courses on Udemy, there are similar courses out there that are similar to the Udemy platform. So I'm, I'm at 39 right now, um, kind of just testing it out, but Yes, yeah, so that's a really good point. It's very much like Linda, isn't it? So Linda.com, which uh, LinkedIn just bought, they, they, you know, I think they own the courses. I don't know if Craftsy actually probably license a course from you or probably have ownership. It'd be interesting to find out that. I uh, li- think they have ownership. And interestingly, they actually emailed me. Somebody from Craftsy reached out to me asking if I would like to be a um a blogger and do like that they needed somebody to blog in their jewelry section, but part, and I said, yes, you know, I want to do as a paid opportunity. I said, absolutely. Um, and when it got down to me signing the contract, there was a little, um, section in there that said, you know, I, I don't remember the wording, but it was along the lines of you, uh, by signing this, you agree not to, um, work with any other companies that sell, craft tutorials. So I said, you know, is that going to mean that I can't, if I'm going to be publishing a course on Udemy? And they said, yeah, sorry, that means you can't, we can't work with you. So I believe that means that they, they license all their, their, you know, or they, they hold the content. And I think they just probably pay the teachers, a you know, a, a flat fee plus, a, you know, a commission of the sales ongoing residuals ongoing, but I think that's how their business model works. So it's a little, it's completely different from you to me, just the platform is similar. And that's, that's really, really interesting actually, because, um, that's one of the reasons I love about you to me, you know, don't get me wrong. Any third party platform can turn around and bite you. You know, you've been on Etsy. I've been on eBay. We know how these platforms work over time and, you know, things change and you should always have a backup plan. But one of the things I love about Udemy is, you know, it's, 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 it's so democratic. It's a democracy. You know, you put your course up and people vote it up, you know, and you don't, you're not, you don't sell your rights to your course. It's still your course. You own it. Yes, you've always got to leave on the platform. You can switch it off, but you can just upload that course into the marketplace. And as long as it passes their quality standards, they'll let it go through. And that just gives so much more scope. And I, I think these other sites like Craftsy and Lynda.com, 
probably a little bit higher quality in overall because they're using everything is very high quality. But long term, uh, you know, I could see that Udemy being a real threat to, um, you know, business business models like that because you can just upload you can just upload but it's a it's a great insight into the industry and i thank you for sort of sharing that jessica that you know people are selling arts and craft courses and making good money from it mm -hmm. so you know as long as you can build your your following then we you know there's a chance to get that um uh, so so there's obviously you believe there's a, there's a there's a great future. I think the same. I think there's going to be an absolute massive future for hobby courses, for arts and crafts, anything you know like that. Where and once people start realizing, I think we're at we're on the cusp because I don't think people are used to looking on YouTube for finding stuff, but they're not used to maybe searching out tutorials or finding content online and as the awareness grows i think it's gonna be absolutely huge and i think it's a great time i think you found yourself a really strong position on udemy as well um and hopefully you can get loads more courses and i'm sure you will but so what would you what tips would you give for people let's just come back to some practical hard skills now so you've mentioned some things earlier so if somebody wanted to demonstrate sort of arts and crafts or anything like that, what's some, of the, what's some of the key things you said shoot over the shoulder, not the side you're actually using to keep this thing clean? Be careful about your lighting. It, you know, do you need lots of expensive equipment? Is it, is it, is it you know, something really difficult to get into? Um, no, actually, when I first started, I was just, I didn't have an actual video camera. I was just using my several year old uh, Canon PowerShot G10, which is just a really cheap di digital camera or relatively cheap digital camera that has a video function on it. So I was actually using that for my first probably full year and a half of videos on YouTube. Um, I decided to finally invest in the camera um, when I knew I was going to be shooting the course soon. And I got a better microphone to go with the camera because it doesn't have just a, a mic or even if it does, you know, it's, you don't want to use that for your videos. Um, my, my YouTube videos, I should say, I, I was doing all voiceover work. So I wasn't actually recording any audio while I was filming, which cut out the need for um, a microphone. And I was just using my Apple iPhone headphones um, for recording directly into my computer and um, I still do that for some of my course voiceovers now. What do you think is easier Jessica? Is it easier to record the hand movements and voiceover afterwards or do you find it easier to do both at the same time? Because I know when I film I do both at the same time but then I've got Philomena she can do magic and she'll edit it all together and she does, you know, yeah, she does um, all the work. She makes me look fantastic. What do you find easier? What would you recommend um, people do at the beginning? Well, for, for what I do, I actually find it easier to do the voiceover afterwards because if you're recording your voice while you're shooting um, and you're trying to edit those shots together, you've got two elements to keep in mind. You've got to edit so that your words make sense, so they edit smoothly, and that, it's kind of hard to do just because of cadence and, and words. It'll be choppy. You can tell where you cut, and it, you're not, there's no chance, literally, that you're going to be saying the same exact sentence every take if you're if you're you're not following a script because you're busy working with your hands mm. so i did try it that way and and the other thing is i ended up just talking too much so i would uh, my, the camera would be on my hands and i was just fiddling and i was like oh i don't want to do this anymore so i did try it like once and 
I went back to the other way. Um, so it's easier to get sound quality and continuity in your audio and your, and, and just your, your speech. And it's also easier to be more concise. Mm. But I think usually like when I make a YouTube video, I kind of set out saying, you know, I, I think this video is going to be three minutes long. I want to keep it under three minutes. So I do all the editing first of all, get the, the shots together, make sure everything looks good. You can see the steps. And then I just go through and describe what I'm doing. And if I need to take a minute that's longer than the step I'm doing, I just put up like a, a like a a screen, um, what am I trying to say? Like a slide screen when, and just take, you know, 20 seconds just to add an extra tip if I, if I need to. So mm -hmm. that's a lot easier for me. That's a top tip. Thank you, Jessica, because, um, you know, I've, I've not, I've personally, I haven't done any sort of demonstration training courses like that. So I would have probably approached it the way I do a lot of my courses and they're very presentation based. So I think that's a really top tip for people. Create your video and then dub your uh, audio on afterwards. And then you can really, you know, match the two up to the hand movements yeah. and everything and keep it concise. I think that's a top, top tip. So... So what do you think is is the key for marketing your type of course? Let's just say, let's just say, let's reverse it a little bit, okay? Now, you've done it the way that most successful marketers will do it. You'll, you've, you've created the free content long before, and then you've come to the paid content. You've got an audience. You've established an audience. So for someone who's got a course – and they're struggling to get sales because they don't necessarily have a list. They don't necessarily, and that's what most instructors on Udemy, they, they don't have sort of a marketing, they haven't trained themselves marketing. What would you say to them? What would you say they need to do? What sort of time scale? Uh, what would you advise them on the marketing side? Does that make sense? Yeah. So if they, they've already got a published course, is that what you're saying? And they're published course, but no okay. marketing, no presence well, online. I would say you could actually um, still set up an email list, even if even if you don't have a website. It's never too late to set one up. You could set up a blog. You could set up a YouTube channel, make some videos. Um, but I think, and you can go through the launch process anytime. You know, it's you don't have to lie and say, "Well, this is a brand new course. It's coming soon." You can just say, "You know, I have." added, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing a relaunch or whatever you want to call it. I've added a lot of content and, um, what I, there's kind of a word for it in the marketing world and I, it's escaping me right now, but it's basically like a grand opening, but not a real grand opening. It's like a, a relaunch. I don't know what you call it, but, um, so you can offer a bonus, you know, set up the list. You can offer people who, sign in, sign up to your list. You can offer them a bonus plus a coupon to your course. So it's never too late to set up that kind of mini sales funnel or launch start, process. Where would you start, Jessica? Would you, would you recommend they start on Facebook, YouTube? If you, if it was you right now and you have to start from scratch, where would your inclination be? Um, if they don't have a YouTube channel already, I would say that would be the first thing to set up and starting a new channel. I think, if you want to gain subscribers quickly, then your first couple of videos probably should not be selling anything. You know, I think you want to just give away some free stuff 
of course, it should be related to the topic that you're teaching, but it can be quick tip videos. It can be under two minutes and even under one minute, like a quick tip video, um, how to thread your sewing machine or something like that. And so don't, don't, I know it's tempting, but don't mention your course in the first couple of videos, maybe even try and do five videos without mentioning your course. And then you can start doing more videos. I would say aim for 10 videos. Mm. The first five don't sell anything and then start slowly mentioning it. Like, you know, I've, I've got a course, by the way, if you're interested, you can, um, you can sign up or you can sign up for more information is a good way to put it. And then once you've got them on that email list, you can send them a series of emails, sending them that information, you know, some of your top tips, um, even, even similar to the lessons that you teach in your course, but in just an email form, you know, your top tip on cleaning a sewing machine, something like that. Um, and then after maybe a couple of emails, you send them the coupon mm. or, you know, don't be real pushy with the sales in the first email, but you could probably link to it in the first email if you wanted. But I think it's important to kind of gain that relationship with them before you sell to them. And I think that's the problem that a lot of, instructors have who don't already have an audience is that they, they create the product and then um, they think it's just going to sell because they know it's a good product. Mm -hmm. But you actually have to have a relationship to be able to sell to people in the, the real way that it works. You know, I mean, I know that there are some people that just, that seem to just have it, you know, they can not have an audience and just manage to do it somehow. But I'm not sure they're telling the whole story, um, if <laughs> if that's yeah. how they're presenting it. But yeah, I, I've seen I've seen some courses go absolutely crazy, but that's because when when you look at them, that they tend to be like a new you know the new iOS eight operating system how to make those are hot topics. Yeah, they're very hot topics, and but you can't treat every subject like that, can you? No, yeah. I think so. The, I think there's definitely a formula for success on Udemy, and or a couple of formulas. And one would be the formula for if you already have a hot topic background or a background that's in a hot topic on Udemy, then obviously create a course and make it the best course or optimize it. So it's least on the front page and you're going to get sales. Even if you don't have an email list, even if you don't have a YouTube channel, I think that that actually does happen a lot, but for, for arts and crafts or, or, um, lifestyle, you know, things that aren't hot topics on Udemy, like there's not the inherent search traffic there. I would venture to guess that maybe only like 1% one per, one or less of people on Udemy, on Udemy to search for a jewelry making course. I think that might be something they stumble upon and think, oh, yeah, I'd like to do that because we're, we're kind of in the hobby realm. I mean, I know that it's also a mm -hmm. career type thing in a lot of cases, but I think many of the people who are finding my course are just looking for, for a new hobby or something like that, you know, which is not a need. It's a desire. It's a want. It's not a need. Um, so that's one thing But yeah, I think we have a different kind of formula and that unfortunately is to put in a lot of work ahead of time. Um, I think building that be, audience. Yeah. I think Jessica, to be honest, I think most courses on Udemy are going to be like that. And I think people are mistakenly drawn to 
you know, that everyone wants that hot, but you've got to do the work. You know, we say to people, you need a year's worth of work minimum on your marketing. You need to create that free content out there. You need to build up your list. You need to create engagement. You need, you know, and you're, you're testimony to that because you basically, you've done that, you know. Um, and if you've got a course, you've got to go out there and you've got to do the work. But what I liked about what you said earlier was you said, you know, maybe do 10 videos. You know, so what you can do is create 10 videos, but when you, you could sit down literally and create a free course, it's 10 videos that you put on YouTube, release maybe a week, one after another, and th that free course then leads them into thingy. So you take that, that idea and, you know, you start thinking about how you can create a sales funnel. Um, and then that course then sits on YouTube forever, bringing people back. So there's lots of different ways you can sort of, uh, you can sort of do that. Now, what general advice... If someone was starting out and they're they you know they've got a business or they've got a hobby or they've got something, um, you know, what's the one top tip you would give them? You know, maybe they're sitting there twiddling their thumbs, thinking, should I, shouldn't I? What would you say to them, Jessica? As far as how to decide whether to take the plunge? Yes. Um, I say do it. You know, if you've got a passion for something, then there's no reason that you shouldn't make that a bigger part of your life, you know? And, um, I think I will always, always make jewelry and I might as well use that to generate income, even if it's not from selling the actual finished pieces of jewelry. I think this applies to anything. You know, if you've got a passion for something, share it with the world, you're going to feel great. And it doesn't come overnight. You know, people aren't going to, you're not going to have millions of views on your very first blog post. You know, be realistic. Don't compare yourself to others because you're, you know, there's a saying and I, I can't ever quote a saying, you know, from memory, but it's along the lines of don't compare your, um, your B-roll to someone else's final edit or, you know, like the final take, right? Like what you're seeing of these people is the tip of the iceberg. They've put in years of effort to get to where they are. So you can't really compare yourself after your first couple of blog posts to, well, they're getting, you know, 10 million views a month. Why am I only getting three? So don't compare yourself to other people. Do the work, do more than one of anything before you give up, you know, blog, do like 10 blog posts, 10 videos, um, and as long as it's something that you enjoy, whether or not anybody's watching it, then I think you should keep going and somehow everything will fall into place. Final question for you, Jessica. Where do you see yourself in five years' time? Five years' time, um, I will... Hmm, I think I probably will no longer be selling jewelry. And I think I will be making the income that I want to be making, which is a pretty big number, but I think I can get there um, through selling digital products, including Udemy courses and cor those same courses on other platforms, selling, you know, Kindle books that tie in. And I, I have this empire in mind. And I think in five years, I will be able to call you up and say, Hey, guess what? <laughs> I did it. Okay. You know, here's my empire. This is this is what it is. And I'll be living a, um, the life that I want to live with freedom of location. If we want to travel, we can travel and, uh, still 
and be able to help people, even if I'm not tied to a spot or, you know, I just, I'll be helping lots of people. Mm. And when I say help people, my kind of helping people is helping them know that, that everyone can be creative. You know, that's kind of one thing that just, it just kills me when I hear somebody say, Oh, I couldn't do that. I'm not creative at all. I don't have a creative bone in my body. I think that's BS. You know, you just have to find something you like and just do it. Um, mm. And it doesn't matter if it's good at first, it's probably not going to be, but if you, if you like it and it makes you feel good, then. I'm pretty sure Jessica, it's not going to take you five years. I think it's going to take you a couple of years. I think looking at what you've been doing, looking at your business model, uh, you know, I'm very impressed what you've done. And one of the reasons I wanted to sort of have you on the hangout is because, you know, I wanted to encourage people with hobby, hearts and crafts, maybe niche and realize that, you know, niche businesses, you can create residual income teaching people if, you know, you do the work, if you do the, the social side. Now, I ask you, uh, I obviously, I didn't ask you this. Um, if you listen to the podcast, guys, you're going to have to come to the YouTube channel if Jessica agrees. But Jessica, I think it'd be a good idea if you could give us a coupon code that we could put in the YouTube description when this goes live. Because although people might not necessarily want to learn how to make jewelry. I think it'd be a good thing for people to actually look at the structure of your course and how you've made it, you know, Absolutely. and maybe some of the things. So if you're happy to do that, I'll take, I'll get a coupon code. I'll ask you to give whatever special offer you want. And I'll I'd be happy in. to. That's great. Thank you, Jessica. I'll mm -hmm. put that in there. I want to say a big thank, uh, thank you for all the people that have been watching. Uh, thanks for the comments as we've been going through. Scott Scowcroft left a load of comments. So, That'd be great to go back and see that. Um, I haven't, uh, Rob usually does me, uh, Rob from Creature Design usually does me a uh, takeaway. I haven't seen it yet, but it could be here. Um, he'll do me one, I'm sure he will. Um, they usually go in the videos. And like I say, if you're listening on the podcast, go to uh, Mark Timberlake on YouTube, you'll find me, uh, or come and join the OV community. Um, you'll find Jessica's offer in the YouTube description uh, and you'll also be able to chat to Jessica in the OV community as well, ping her there I'm sure and connect to her herself on youtube.com forward slash jewelry tutorial HQ so you can find Jessica on YouTube on jewelry tutorial HQ uh, connect to her, I'm sure she'll be willing to chat and help and uh, engage with you been a pleasure having you on Jessica really appreciated it and uh, hopefully we'll have you again in the future on some other hangouts thank you so much and I just want to say very quickly um, I was I had the the Q&A section closed because I didn't want to get distracted but I, I see there's a lot of questions I would love to answer any questions that you have if you want to post on the uh, when Mark posts the replay or even you know any of the postings I'd be happy to answer your questions there that we didn't get a chance to cover Thank you, Jessica. Appreciate that. Thanks, Mark. Okay. And uh, see everybody else uh, next week, hopefully. Thank you for watching.